The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. I never expected to draw a connection between the prophet Isaiah and my backyard. And yet, on a blustery and cold afternoon last Sunday, I did just that. Doug's parents had called and announced that they were driving from their home in Calamus to our home in North Liberty. Like so many people today, especially the elderly, They are going stir-crazy for months and months of basically staring at one another. They are in their late 80s and are taking proper precautions against contracting the coronavirus. They were driving from Calamus because they wanted to see the new trees that we had planted in our backyard a few weeks ago. Even though we would be outside, we all agreed to wear masks just to be safe. Doug met them in the driveway when they arrived. I had a few things to finish up in the kitchen before I met them outside. As I wiped off the kitchen counter, something caught my eye through our big backyard window, and I went over to check it out. What I saw was this. Doug had tucked his 86-year-old mother into our golf cart and was driving her around the yard showing her the new trees. Instead of using her cane to walk as usual, she was getting a grand tour in a golf cart. Next, Dwayne had his turn in the golf cart. He's had his fair share of falls recently, and Doug felt the golf cart was safer than risking anyone falling on the uneven ground. I watched for a few minutes from the window. On the surface, the scene unfolding before my eyes looked fairly ridiculous. Two old people getting chauffeured around our yard in an old golf cart, all wearing masks, pausing from time to time to point out this tree or those squirrels or these birds. But despite the superficial hilarity and absurdity, what this scene called to my mind was today's passage from Isaiah. Here were two people who ordinarily would not have been able to get out and see these new trees because of the potential danger of falling. 
now enjoying some unexpected time with their only son. What would have been prohibitive and impossible because of uneven ground suddenly became possible and wonderful, all because of a son's determination to guide them safely around the yard. It certainly wasn't the smoothest or most majestic ride, but it was glorious in its own surprising way. It seems as though much of our world is hell-bent on keeping the ground uneven. Indeed, some feed on and even depend on social and economic unevenness and disparity. Our outgoing administration is busy rushing its last-minute midnight regulations before our president-elect takes office on January 20th. Some of these regulations that are quickly advancing through federal agencies and the White House in the current administration's final days are likely to be finalized soon. They include ending Medicare drug rebates, lowering wages for immigrant farm workers, stiffening criteria for disability benefits, reducing eligibility for food stamps, narrowing the grounds for those seeking asylum in our country, allowing religious exemptions for federal contractors, relaxing nutritional requirements for school lunches, allowing federally subsidized homeless shelters to exclude transgender people, increasing the speed at which poultry may be slaughtered, and making families of non-citizen immigrants ineligible for subsidized housing. These regulations are clear in their agenda of keeping the socioeconomic ground most uneven. To be fair, we need not point the finger exclusively at our own outgoing president and administration. We must also mention the alarming news from an increasingly radicalized right-wing Europe. For example, one-third of the counties in Poland have now declared themselves to be LGBT-free, banning same-gender relationships for undermining its national concept of their traditional family model. We lament with the elderly in Britain where ageism continues to be a divisive social issue. We also mentioned the detention of five women's rights activists in Saudi Arabia. We lift up children around the globe, forced to work under dangerous conditions for little or no pay, and so on. Systems of power based on caste, race, age, gender, sexual orientation, and socioeconomic class depend on uneven ground and our willingness to believe that some people are more worthy to receive certain rights and benefits than others. This human vision of kingdom depends on keeping the ground uneven. While this might not initially sound like your typical happy holiday pre-Christmas sermon, we simply cannot ignore the real-world parallels between God's kingdom vision and the vision humans cast on kingdom as today's text from Isaiah powerfully illustrates. This passage from Isaiah 40 is comfort to the exiled, the outcast, the lowest caste. 
These words are written by the prophet to the people of Jerusalem, who had been ripped from their homes by war in the 6th century BCE and taken to Babylon, a superpower at that time in that part of the world where they were forced to work as slaves. Through Isaiah, God calls out to people who are oppressed and depressed, who are far from home and loved ones, who are alienated and isolated, who are crushed by economic and social injustice, who are the lowest rank on very uneven ground. And yet, despite this clear trajectory for a powerful prophetic message, Isaiah hesitates and feels the same futility we might feel today and feels every bit as overwhelmed as we do today when asked to speak a word of hope. In fact, when the voice tells him to cry out, to speak, he replies, what exactly am I supposed to cry out? What exactly am I supposed to say? Every human is like a blade of grass or a fragile flower. What's the point in crying out and prophesying if everyone is just going to die anyway? But the voice persists. Isaiah, it says, cry out and tell the people to not be afraid, to not despair, to not lose hope. Tell them to lift up their voices with strength. Tell them, your God is here. And therein lies God's glory and God's comfort, that God speaks even when we hesitate, that when the sorrow of the world hangs too heavy, when the injustices and unneededness seem to paralyze, God speaks and casts a new vision for a new kingdom, where the ground is even, where none needs struggle against mountains of injustice or valleys of oppression or unevenness of equality. Through Isaiah, God calls to God's people on their journey of deportation, isolation, and despair, and comforts them with the words, I am here with you, on this journey where uneven ground and mountains and valleys threaten you. Have hope, however, for my voice will melt these mountains and fill these valleys, and all of this ground will be even, and all will safely travel to my kingdom. But for now, there's no turning back for God's people in exile. They are deep into their journey as a captive people. Things have gone too far to turn back, even if that were possible. After all, what is there for them to return to, even if they could, but occupied land, destroyed cities, and stolen homes? But God persists and calls them forward into God's future, lifting their eyes from their current dire situation with words of comfort. Through Isaiah, God speaks to God's people and their current condition of fear and exhaustion and gives hope. God assures them that they have served their term, that deliverance will come. I remember the night Christian was born. As many first-time mothers might recall, I had reached that point of exhaustion and panic, and it was midnight. My nurse, Emily, whom I've mentioned before, was at my side. I cried out and said, I cannot do this. And she said, well, you must. You cannot go back. 
And for some reason, at that very moment, a stanza from the Christmas hymn, Lo, How a Rose is Growing, came to my mind. It was my grandmother's favorite hymn. And in my fear and exhaustion, I heard her soprano voice singing the words, It came a flower so bright, amid the cold of winter, when half spent was the night. And calm came to me. And Christian entered the world 45 minutes later with a blink and a scream. And I think of us now, deep into our journey of global pandemic, grieving a global loss of life and exhaustion caused by time upended, politics and a host of other things, public and private, And we wonder how we will manage the winter journey ahead, knowing we can't go back, only forward, and wondering where we will find the strength. Perhaps comfort and strength for the journey ahead, while fraught with uneven ground, impossible mountains, and terrifying valleys might lie in the gift of time that only comes once in a great while. Time to look at trees and birds with your mom and dad, Time to play cards with your kids who would normally be in school. Time to read, to rest, to sew, to build, to gather together, to embrace those in your bubble or pod. Time to laugh at unexpected silliness. Time to pray for grandchildren we cannot hold. Time to dance at the stove while making macaroni and cheese. Time to look out your window and discover scenes of beauty unfolding. Time to to find the grace and the good in this time. When so much is paused and on hold, perhaps our mortal flesh can keep silent enough to hear God speaking and receive God's comfort and God's strength. As Christmas nears, The world holds its collective breath, waiting for God to speak. And God is speaking through our modern-day prophets, giving words of hope and healing through scientists and doctors and nurses and immunologists and researchers. We are at the midnight hour, where nights are long and days are short. The night is now half spent, dark and quiet. Into that silence, God speaks. God calls to king and peasant. God calls to you, the infirm, the elderly, the infant, the disabled, the faint, the weary, the hopeless, the exile, the immigrant, the discriminated against, the fearful, and invites all to the manger. God speaks, and the mountains of injustice melt. The valleys that are filled with dry bones are raised to life, and the uneven ground is smoothed for all to travel upon it as the door to God's kingdom swings wide open. Advent is the world holding its breath. Christmas is the mother's cry at midnight. It is the angel's song that hope has come.
that God is here. Christmas is God speaking. And the word that God speaks is Jesus. And that word is love.